So, hey, Steve, ask me, ask me, Will, what's, what's the reason for your hope? Yeah, ask me that question. I'll set you up. What's, I'm glad you asked that question, Steve. Okay, one of the things is this. I'm standing before you a very imperfect man, but, but based on what the Scripture tells me and what I know to be true, if I, if I come before God... And I confess, if I say the same thing about my sin that he does, then he is faithful and just to forgive me of that sin and cleanse me from all the unrighteousness. He takes the bag. Did you say all unrighteousness? Yeah. He cleansed you from all unrighteousness? For mine. Amen. Yeah? Right? What if you don't? Okay, yeah, right? Like, right? That's what you're just singing about. So everything else, if we don't, if you don't know what that feels like, I don't want you to think about that. You got to know what it feels like. Otherwise, otherwise you can't go from anything else. You can't go anywhere else from there. So here, I'm going to pray and I'm going to just ask, I'm just going to ask God to forgive me and you can join me and then we'll get down to the rest of the business. Okay. But until we do that, we're just thinking things and trying to hide from our own hearts. Right. Father, I, I thank you for the truth just sung by the men and women up here, Lord, that have been working this week to prepare that. And Holy Spirit, you, you led every chord and every note and, and spoke to my heart. And it cut to the core, Lord, where I just have to come before all these people here, an imperfect man. Like, I am selfish. I have selfish desires and wants. I get impatient. I get weak, Lord. Forgive me. Like, you know, you know where my sin is, Lord. You know what I can think and say and feel. You know my bad attitude, Lord. And I just, I, I agree with you that it's not helping. It does, it's not good. It's not right. And so I give that to you, Lord. I ask you to forgive me for those sins. I ask that that, that would be on the list of what was paid for by Jesus, my Lord Jesus, and his, his death. It was paid for, and it was won in his, in his resurrection, Lord. And so I just come before you, confess my sins. I ask that you'd forgive me before I move forward. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, now, now just breathe. Don't, don't take it back, okay? Satan's tricky like that. Oh, take it back, Will. You might do the same thing this afternoon then we'll come back to the feet of Jesus. But Lord, help us not to walk in the same things that we keep trying to release to you. Awesome. You know, I probably should have that clicker. If I was thinking right, we'd do that. Hey guys, everyone, Natalia. Natalia, everyone. There we go. There we go. Thank you, sir. And Natalia, let me give you an introduction. I don't, not all of you have met her, but, but Ruth Perez was... So a little bit about Ruth. Ruth... Her, her dad is from Oaxaca, Mexico. Her mom is from Arizona. And so in Ruth's life, her parents have been missionaries to Oaxaca, Mexico. So for a period of time, she lived here in Prescott, worked at the camp, served with our youth group, became a friend of ours. And then just really felt like God was like, man, I need to go back and minister in this community where I grew up. And so she comes every year and our church, as well as individuals in the church, support this mission. And so Natalia's been part of our youth group, and she just has a heart for missions. So she just spent six weeks. Uh, you guys okay if I experiment on you a little bit? I'm trying something I haven't been part of before. You guys ever went to like a missionary presentation, and they got the slides and everything that happened? Okay. Uh, what if that was like tied into the sermon? So I haven't tried it before. We're trying this today. Throw things or whatever, you know, like, if you have a complaint, there's, there's a rectangle black bins in the back there. You can put them in there. We'll get to that. Yeah, just bring it to Josh. He'll take care of it for you. Uh, just so that you know, right, we, uh, Oaxaca, you can kind of see, this is Mexico, way south. So that's where she's at. Uh, I don't want to steal all your thunder, but that, I want to show them. That, that's where Natalia went. Six weeks, right, is how long you were there? Um, so first of all, I just asked Natalia, share a few of the areas and, and the ministry that's going on down there. And then we're going to tie this into John 4. So hold on to your seats. Watch this. Okay. Yeah. So um, Natalia, if, you, yeah. if you'd like to just, I mean, share whatever. And then we'll, our, first, our first ministry that 
I wanted you to share a little bit about is the Oaxaca Christian School and the MKs. Yeah, before I do that, I wanted to give you guys a brief summary of how I got there um, and how I made the decision or God forced me down there. <laughs> um, so at youth camp this year, um, I went in with very little expectations um, and just really anxious. I had just graduated high school. Um, I had no job. I uh, My job shut down. Um, the day before I left for uh, camp. So I was really like, what am I going to do? I have no plans to go to college. Um, and on the last day um, of hanging out with these crazy kids, um, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm, I'm totally open. Just use me. I, use me how you need me. And so within the next 24 hours, I had, um, I had come over here um, and saw Ruth teach, um, or like, give her presentation about her time down there. And I was, like, really heavy on my heart. Like, I think I need to go down there. Um, so, like, after talking with her, and she both, we both agreed that we should, I should go down there. And she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, so this was, what, Ju- July-ish? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, she's like, by the way, the best and only time you can come down is September. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's great. So the next day I'm looking out online and I'm trying to find, you know, tickets, just browsing, like, meh, maybe, maybe I'll actually you were, you go. you weren't going to walk there. No, no, that, I'm not, no, not ready kind for that. Kind of a that. dangerous trip for an Arizona girl. Not trained as much, there. no. <laughs> so I'm looking at tickets and I'm like, these are really expensive. <laughs> I don't have a job. And uh, all of a sudden my computer glitched. I'm like, weird. And the tickets that I was looking at that were over $1,000 were $500 for six weeks. I only wanted to go for one. (laughs) And God's like, six weeks. You're getting six (laughs) weeks. Um, Yeah, so in a whirlwind after that, I I had gotten my passport. I had everything set up. We started selling hats and doing bake sales and stuff. Um, And with your guys' help, I raised over $1,000 more than I needed. Yeah, Yeah, that was incredible. In such a short period of time, you guys just really helped me, and I really appreciate that. And yeah. everything that I didn't spend and that extra $1,000 went directly to Ruth and all of her amazing ministries that she has down there. So thank you guys for being willing yeah, and listening to God and supporting me. I really appreciate it. Um, so now we can talk about what awesome. I did. Yeah, so let's, let's uh, touch on the one, one point here is the Oaxaca Christian School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... The Christian school is, it's interesting. It's really small. Um, it was built by missionaries. Um, and they're, K through 12, there's 30 kids. Um, so these kids, their parents are missionaries, full-time missionaries in Oaxaca. Um, Oaxaca has a lot of tribes that the languages haven't been translated yet. So uh, the missionaries are translating Bibles for them and sometimes living in the village to interact with them and share the gospel, which is super cool. Um, These kids um, go to the school and we party and learn crazy things. Yeah, Um, if If you go to the city of Oaxaca, so when we went there, I don't know if it was six years ago, Brandy and I and our kids, so it's in a valley. And, and actually, there's tribes throughout all the mountains, and so there's 11 different dialects. And so you, you think of International Mission Board, Wycliffe, like all the big missionary organizations have big hubs there because it's a place with a lot of translation. So there's a lot of missionaries in that valley there, and in the valley, there's about a million people. And there's some tribes that are very, um, you know, they still eat grasshoppers for their... I had a grasshopper. So, yeah. Am I, I in the too. tribe? You are now. I think so. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah anyway, just to add that. So that's, that's kind of the dynamic. So there's missionaries from every organization you can think about translating the Bible into these 11 different dialects of the tribes. And most of these kids speak at least two languages. In order to go to the school, you have to speak English, and you're living in a Spanish-speaking country, so speaking Spanish is also helpful. Um, I did not. <laughs> um, but most of these kids can speak. I think one of them was talking to me and like, four or five languages, and he kept switching. My brain kind of (laughs) hurt. I didn't understand any of it. Um, So it's really cool to get all the cultures together from around the world. And um, when they did worship, they did worship every 
Friday, um, and they don't sing in just one language, and it's just goosebumps because I love worship, and um, just going there and like hearing the different languages and them like singing their hearts out, and all these kids play instruments, and it's oh, it's mind blowing, and all of them worship in their own way and in their own language, and that's how they get the closest to God, and that's incredible. But um, while these missionary kids are fantastic. Um, amazing kids. They are often overlooked um, because their parents are full-time missionaries. Their job, their purpose for being in Oaxaca is not to serve their family, although that is a key role. Um, It's also to serve the people in the different tribes. Um, So a lot of the times the kids feel um, unloved, unwanted, and that's hard. Like, I feel that here. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to feel that in not your country and not your normal space. It's, it's really hard. Um, so just going there and loving on them. And we, uh, would you like to add something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, we went to my second day there. So I got there super tired from the flight and then immediately started packing to go on this retreat with all these kids who I've never met before. <laughs> and I spent oh, three days in the mountains. Um, it was raining the entire time. So you got to really know these kids. <laughs> yeah. um, and just how sweet and amazing they are. Um, we played games, um, and yeah, it was fantastic. Because they, they partner for, there's a, there's a school, a Christian school, but understand there's not government funding. So all the, all the teachers and administrators are, are volunteer, so they're all missionaries. And then there's also a, a local church and a youth group, which is the, a lot of the same group of kids, right, yes. that you were interacting with, yeah. Um, Interesting enough, I mean, this is too much, but something they taught me while us while they were there is they, they have this, what they call purple kids, <laughs> right? So they're like, okay, so, you know, you have the country you're from, they're the blue kids, the, the, country, the kids from Mexico, they're the red kids, and you're somewhere in the middle, so you're this purple kid. You don't have a home, you don't have a home country, you don't have your own culture, mm-hmm. and so there's quite a community there, and I don't think we realize that, um, how with these, these kids, and they live in these villages, like we went up towards one, towards a camp, and we got out of the car when we got back throwing up in the parking lot, because it's one of those windy mountains, and our kids, so these kids do that oh, every yeah. day to get to school, <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah, yeah. And most of these kids are preparing to come back to the States to go to college, um, so not only are you from a different country, living in Oaxaca, in a place that's not your own, you're also going to be sent to America, which is quite different, you have to learn how to pump your own gas and just stuff like that. So that's stuff they teach at the school. They're like, okay, <laughs> practical life lessons, let's go. <laughs> um, super cool. Um, yeah, and the, the youth group, thank God, they all spoke English as well. <laughs> so that was really great. I got to give my testimony. And um, it was interesting because... I've grown up in the church my whole life, and so have they. So we really connected on that level. Um, they also, because they're so used to people coming and going, because um, different missionaries come down for a different amount of time, they're used to making relationships really fast, getting really deep, super fast, and then saying goodbye really quickly. Um, so like, I spent the majority of my time with these kids, and when I went to leave... It, the goodbye was so fast, but it was still heartfelt, but it was so fast. Like, they couldn't think about it too much. They can't get too attached because they might never see me again, yeah. and I might never see them. So that's really hard, um, just to give you a little bit what's going on in their heads, too. So the next ministry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this was kind of a surprise trip. I wasn't really planning on going to a village, um, but God's like, you're going. So I went. <laughs> um, so this village was... 60 miles away, and it took us eight hours to drive out there. The windy roads are insane. Like, you're driving on these steep mountains. The mountains are gorgeous, but very steep. And then you hit dirt roads, very bad dirt roads to get out there. Um, But we got out there, and I was really impressed because this uh, village is built on the side of a mountain, and they're playing soccer, and I, I had a heart attack every time the kids tried to go get the ball that went down the mountain. Oh, but it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, so a lot of these communities, well, this community in particular had 300 people in it, um, 
and over 80% of that was children. Um, and in this community, children aren't really shown any affection. Um, they're kind of just the side note. They're more like property than actual kids. Um, so when we go down there, they're, they were super cute. They would open the door for me so I can get out. And they're kind of peeking around the door like, okay, you're okay to, you're okay to come now. Okay. And then they would lead me and immediately started braiding my hair. And like we were cuddling the whole time. We had a uh, kid's Bible study in the morning for church. Um, and just being able to hold them, like in one of the pictures, we had, it was so cold. Like it had been raining for uh, a whole month before we got down there and it stopped when we were there. It was wow. insane. Uh, but you're in and above the clouds, so it's so, so cold. So I had like three kids on my lap and 10 sitting on this bench that's built for five people. <laughs> but we were all keeping warm and playing games, and it was amazing. It was just a blast. Hi, Lowell. I don't know. I don't speak. <laughs> at night, yeah, it was freezing at night, and I was sleeping. It was fine, but like I was sleeping on benches. Like We put two benches together, and that's your bed. Um, in this, all the buildings there and in Oaxaca are concrete, and there's not heaters or air conditioning, so you're you got you you live with what you got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, while we were there, um, they had no lights because the village across the the mountain from them decided, hey, we're gonna cut your power lines. So oh, yeah, and the the kids were scaring me in the middle of the night. They would come up and like <laughs> jump on me, and <laughs> what happened? <laughs> But yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was La Luz. And then, yeah, the next, the next piece here. So I'm actually going to skip ahead um, okay. and talk about uh, Hida Soul real quick, and then I'll go back to a monastery. So yeah. Hida Soul, Ruth talks about it a lot. That's, I think, one of her main ministries when she's down there. Um, and she um, loves on the people and the women who are in prostitution. Um, we call it the red light district. Um, so most of these women were um, in art currently in human trafficking. Um, it's a very not good situation um, down there. And I got to see it once. I didn't get to participate in anything. Um, but just walking down there, it's so incredibly heavy. And then you walk into uh, the Hira Soul room and you're like, it's pink. It's not dirty. It's comforting. And you forget where you are at until you go back outside and you can just feel the difference of walking in between that room and the the street just the comfort level that's in there and the love that they pour into these women are insane it i don't know how she does it <laughs> um it's it's really a miracle it's a miracle place yeah. this is the place where they paint nails they have um jenga nights and they just play jenga with the ladies uh they invite Anybody off the street, like, well, women, mo only women can come into the building. They're like, please come play with us. We'll give you cake. We'll feed you. Um, if you need clothes, we've got it. If you want a soda, there's a fridge in the back. Like, they're so open and welcoming, and they have doctor's visits, and the women are being more open to Ruth now, and they're willing just to walk up and give her hugs. And if one of the girls turns their back, the other one's like, no. This girl's amazing. She painted my nails that one time. You said you liked my nails. And like, cool. it's, it's a growing ministry. Um, and they really need your prayer because uh, they're working on different projects. And it's, it's really incredible. Um, and Amanacer is the jewelry making company. And there's jewelry outside that they made. Um, this program was created for women who want to escape prostitution. But it's not, it's become much more than that. It's for, uh, vulnerable women, so women who have been kicked out of their villages, single mothers, women don't really have a job in Mexico. It's not really a culturally accepted thing, um, but moms need to feed their kids. Mm -hmm. They need to learn practical things and learn how to make money. So that's what Amanacer, which means hope rising, um, that's what it is. It's giving the women hope. Yeah. Um, and not only do they make amazing jewelry, I don't know how they don't go cross-eyed, but they, <laughs> they also, um, on Fridays, they teach like how to do finances, budgeting, um, what to shop for in a grocery store, what to avoid, what things you can, like practical things for being a homeowner and just 
gaining knowledge. Um, and every day before lunch break, they have a Bible study, and all the girls are so excited to do like a 10-minute Bible study. Really cool. Hey, Lowell. They have a Walmart that's bigger than ours on a second-story building. It's so scary. Yeah. I, and then you have these ramps that yeah. go up there. Yeah, it's kind of, and there's, there's like a Sam's Club, too, I think, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, too. But yeah, some people that live in the city aren't as destitute as the surrounding areas. I mean, it's still poorer than what we're used to. But it is a city, but just what they're talking about is, but prostitution's legal, and so they'll, they'll take all the women out of the villages. Their dads will sell them. Their brothers will sell them. Their husbands will sell them. And they'll bring them to downtown, where the people have a have more, you know, they'll run businesses or food carts or, because most of the grocery stores are, are like, you know, this is a produce stand, this is a meat stand, and everyone shops for that day. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a cart and three deep freezers at home like we do. They, it's like, okay, what are we having for dinner today? And go get that at the market, yeah. Yeah, um, and sorry, one second. And they also, so if you work a 12-hour day in Oaxaca, um, you get about four dollars american dollars 12 hour day four dollars so like money is super hard um to come by there and like they're really working for it um a monastery is a really weird one in oaxaca because they have american prices which means that they're able to give these women um american wages um, super cool. Um, it gets them out of the program fast and allows them to be a manager at a different store or um, just go and do different things in life, and it's really incredible. Um, and it's hard for them to sell jewelry down there because it's so expensive down there, but for here, it's like, eh, 20 bucks, that's nothing. Right. We're so spoiled. <laughs> what were you going to ask, Lil? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think... Uh, so you see that kind of dynamic in there, and th- those ministries are trying to help. They love on the women first, and then they help them uh, to a better life because they're kind of dependent on the income. They're, they're a little bit trapped. So there's, a, there's safety, but there's also they need, they need some kind of life skills to get out. And, and in that dynamic, you had shared this with me, and Ruth did too, is there's, a lot, there's been a lot of religious corruption too. So some of these women have been abused by people in the name of God. So it becomes even more difficult. That's why it's very subtle, just loving on the women. Um, so here's what I'm going to do now. I, we're going to bring this back to John. We're going to talk more about this, but I'm going to bring it back to John 4. So we're going to read through. Hopefully by the end of the next few weeks, you'll be like, okay, the woman at the well, we've, we've heard this, right? That's good. If you're getting tired of it, I think you're just finally hearing it for the first time. That's what Pastor Wade and I used to talk about. So John 4, let me read this to you. I'm just going to read you the story. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and, and come here. 
The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. Okay, so that story, right? If, if, you've, if you've been in different Bible studies, you might have heard. I've got to stand up now. You know me. I'm not, I thought about ratchet strapping myself down, but that's not going to work. Um, I want to tell you this story and tie it in. Natalia and I have been praying and talking about this. Uh, so we have, we've got Jesus, right? He's traveling. He comes to a place where it's not common for Jews to come. There's a woman who comes to the well at a time that's uncommon for women to come to the well and draw water. Lots of, lots of suspicious type behavior here, right? They're all not normal. And then they have this interaction and the light goes on. He lets her know, I am the Messiah. She's so excited. She leaves the water. She goes back into town. She tells people, and they all are going to come out and see Jesus. Come see the man who basically, right, told me everything about me. He knew me. He saw me. He knew me. He didn't judge me. The Messiah is here, the one they call Christ. So I, I thought it might be helpful. I'm going to need a little help with this part. First of all, I just need you to hold, hold these. So with this story... We've got some characters, okay? We've got some characters that I want to talk to you about. Who, who wouldn't be afraid to stand up front in a few minutes here? Especially youth group. Any, you guys want to volunteer? Okay. Hey, with, with, uh, I'm going to have you, uh, Jesus, the first character. Jesus, okay? Jesus was the guy. He, he was on the journey. He's the one that connected them. Okay, second character. I need another volunteer. Don't let it go to your head about, anything, about the Jesus thing, okay? No pressure. No pressure. Lowell, you want to be the disciples. Okay. Lowell, come this way. The disciples, these are the guys that, Jesus, that came with Jesus. Okay, so I'll, I'll call you guys up in a minute. For now, I'll have you hold the sign. Okay. Then, you know, I won't do that. I'll do it this way. Let's, let's have the woman at the well. Okay, the woman at the well. Sue could be that. And then finally, the Samaritans, the people of the town. Another volunteer? I want to be the Samaritan. You want to be the Samaritan? Sweet. Okay, okay. So let me talk about this real quick. First of all, we've got Jesus, right? Jesus is the one, he's the one that connected everything. He's the one that took disciples from their home, okay, to a land that was foreign, a land they didn't want to go because they would be unclean if they went there. He was the one that connected him. He connected the father who was in him and through him and him to the Samaritans, to the woman at the well, and to the disciples. Okay, so he's the glue. So let's talk about the woman at the well. We can, we can create a lot of speculation, but, but she was in her home area. We know this. We know that she had encountered, like most of us, so many circumstances and situations and and. It didn't always go right, clearly. Because from what we know about it, she's, had, she's been married five times. She's with the sixth person. She's all by herself gathering water in the middle of the day. Something's, it's been rough for this lady. We know that much. Now that we've got the disciples. The disciples, you know, good Jewish boys turn fishermen, so maybe not so good. 
but, but they, they had a working understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. They believed they were the people of God. And they left their home country and came to the Samaritans' home country. So then the Samaritans we have, the people in the village, some of them, they had this kind of blender faith, right? There was, there was all the Jewish culture from their ancestors, but also different tribes and groups came in. And so their belief systems were, were diverse. So within that group of Samaritans, you had different people with many different beliefs. But they, they were looked on poorly by the Jews who were represented by the disciples. Okay? Okay? Here's, here's how I want to tie that in. Jesus came. Jesus came and he tied all those people together. Let's go to the disciples. Okay, disciples, come on up. Who's got the disciples tag? Ready? Come on up here. So the disciples, they left their home country. They were taken to a place with different cultures and different beliefs than they were used to. They were made to be uncomfortable. And it even said they didn't ask even though they kind of wanted to. So come on up here, Lowell, and hold your sign there. Okay. They were the original missionaries, right? They were the missionaries. In a lot of ways, like Natalia, she left home. She went to Mexico. To a culture, a language, food, environment, like what? You don't have electricity and heaters? Right? You don't have a Serta or a Posturpedic, but you've got a bench to sleep on? She's, she's left her comfort zone and gone to a place. Now, let's get the woman at the well. Come on up here. Now, the woman at the well, this is her home place, right? This is, everyone there knows her. There's, there's no hiding. So you've got, the danger is this. You go to a foreign place where no one knows you, you get to reinvent yourself, right? You get to put, in a short term, you get to put your best foot forward. We like that. I could behave for a week, Right? Six weeks is getting a little more difficult. I can behave for a week or a long weekend. Now, if you're at home, it's difficult. Even Jesus himself said, yeah, a prophet isn't accepted in his hometown. Why? Because at home you're known. You know all the people. They know all your circumstance, the mistakes you made, the mistakes made to you and, up and around you. Right? And so then that brings in the Samaritans. Come on up here, Samaritans. So then the Samaritans, right, they, there's probably, I mean, we want to categorize them all together, but just like in America or any country, there's, there's different, different levels of, of belief systems, right? Because they've got, depending on who their dad was and their mom was, there were certain Jewish traditions that they kept too, and they've added in new traditions of the people who've come to their land, right? Their ancestors, you know, were taken and brought back and intermarried, and it's a mess. So... Samaritans would look at the disciples and say, we don't like each other. What are you doing here in our land? I thought, I thought, you, I thought you'd think we were just like filthy people that you want to be part of. What are you doing here? Right? They would also look at the woman at the well and say, I don't know. That, that lady's got some issues. Okay? Then here comes Jesus. Come on up, Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Now, Jesus, interesting enough, right? He comes into this culture. He meets with the disciples, and he says, let's go for a walk, right? And as they're going for a walk, he's blowing their mind. He's breaking down their paradigms, all their belief systems. Because being God and being in connection with the Father, everything that he's doing, he's talking to God. It's no coincidence that he went to that well at that time, right? And he knew, first of all, he knew his disciples. He knew they were boneheads. He knew they were, they were limited and resourced by what their, their background is, right? He knew the Samaritans. He knew that the Samaritans had been dumped on so much that their, their collective self-esteem was way down and there was, a, there was a corruption where truth needed to come in. 
but that they would never accept truth because there was never any love delivering it. Only hate from the Jews and the disciples who had the truth to share. Now, what I think about here, when I think about Jesus, what Jesus really was, I mean, I appreciate you holding that, but in a lot of ways in this story, what Jesus was is he, he kind of challenged all of us. He became this rope. He became this rope that, we hold that? He kind of became this rope, which would, you know, tie everyone together, right? You want to help me wrap this around them? Why don't you guys step forward here? Step forward here. There we go. This is fun, right? So what Jesus did is he made it very uncomfortable because he got at them all in the same environment. And what you see in this story, right, is, is Jesus kind of broke down these, these paradigms. There, that does the effect, so I appreciate that. So you have, you have these characters there. And now, what do you guys think? They did a good job, right? I want to give them a hand, give them a hand. I'll take those back here. Awesome. So now you guys are free to go down. Thank you for helping be part of that. Uh, maybe the visually seeing that will kind of help. So let me, now what I want to talk to you about, and one of this, how I want to tie this in when we were talking about Oaxaca. As your pastor, oh, I don't want to step on Jesus. Now, I think there's a lesson. This is why it was worth a pause. Okay? Because I am telling you, in this story, something that happened is Jesus He brought people from a foreign land to Samaria who normally wouldn't go there unless they followed him there. Do you see that? And that is every one of the brothers and sisters who leave the comfort of their home and go to a place that's not not their home. And they can only do that with Jesus. And, And Jesus walked them. And we don't think he walks us, but the dynamic has changed. And we don't talk about it enough. See, you don't just take Jesus on a walk with you. Now, when you believe, what the scriptures tell us is he lives in you. The whole spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, and he goes everywhere that you go. So every person who tries to go somewhere that's foreign for God, they're, they're like the disciples. They're like missionaries. When I was a kid, I grew up in a church, and we would talk about foreign missions and home missions. You know those terms? Anyone have those in their churches too? Right? Yeah, right. Home missions, foreign missions, right? So the foreign missions, the people going to a different place, they went with Jesus. Then you had, so that would liken them to the disciples, or Natalia was playing that role. She went to Oaxaca. And what kind of things did you do in Oaxaca? So it's like a you know, big... Do you get with the blowhorn on the corner and yell people that it's near? Oh, no. no? Okay. <laughs> what kind of things? Because there might be some of you, whether it's on a, a short term, a medium term, or like a long term basis, that God is like stirring in you to go like the disciples did to a place that's, that's foreign, right? It, it might be. Uh, and as, as the pastor of the church, I'm excited about that when that happens. It doesn't even have to be Africa or Mexico, right? Like... I mean, the difference between states within our own country is quite remarkable, right? Um, you know, even towns would be very different. Now, now please understand, the Samaritans are, are really represent any place that you go. Because so many of us, because of years of religion, we think, one, we pretend we got it figured out, or we realize we're so messed up that we just throw our hands up and figure we can't do anything about it. Right? Like in Oaxaca, they're like, yeah, I know about religion. That priest or that pastor, you know, molested my cousin. Yeah, I don't want any part of what you guys are selling. And I guess we're just worthless and not worth loving, so whatever, to you and your God. Or it's kind of blended, right? Like, oh yeah, I think God said this. Everything is open, man. Whatever you want to do, just you know, do your own thing, right? Like... There is that, okay? But then there's the woman at the well. She encountered Jesus at home. At home. That's hard. That's hard because she went back to all those people. She said Jesus knew everything about him, but the people who know you best, the people at home, 
right? So what happens is this. What's happening, I'm telling you, is they went to a land where, where uh, the religious background of the Jews was a history thing, right? And I'm telling you, we live in a land now where a lot of those, a lot of the Christian, the Judeo-Christian morals, values, and ideals are not most popular, right? And we don't know what to do about it. We think maybe if we could actually get people in business and in, in government that that would change matters. But it is sort of a democracy. And so once 51% of the people that you are in community with no longer share those Judeo-Christian values, they will vote away from those. And our laws will go away from those. We like it when it works in our favor, democracy. We don't like it when it doesn't work in our favor. Right? Now, not to sound too, too religious, but I mean, this guy's the answer. Jesus. Jesus invading your life, and it changes the way you live, so that way you live and the way that you vote would represent that, right? So if you want your culture to move, you need a majority of your people to move. We all tracking? Okay, so what I want to tell you is plain and simple. What I believe 100%, one, the one reason, the main reason why I did this is I think God is calling missionaries back home. Not to leave the field, but missionaries here now. Okay, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. But let me ask you, Natalia, give you a few minutes here. Takeaways from anything that... That's a takeaway from Oaxaca that you want to mention right now before I, I kind of just tie in the rest of that. Yeah, so um, missionary work is not what it seems. It's not a feel-good process um, at all. I went down there with no training and no expectations really of anything except I wanted to serve God. Um, so three weeks in, I'm sitting there and I'm stamping these books at this at the school and I'm like, I don't feel like I'm in the right spot. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I here for a reason? Was I just crazy? Um, missionary work is not about the feel-goodness inside of you. It's about your willingness to love people without boundaries. Um, so stamping books was loving, um, Going to youth group and playing games and falling on my face was loving. Um, going and hugging the kids, painting nails, going and just being there, being present, being willing. That's what matters more than anything. Um, and mission, I would like to add that missionary work is not just, it's not just going. Missionary work is going where God calls you and loving the people that are there. I feel like God has called me here. Mm -hmm. And my mission is to love people here. God has called you here. You are our pastor. And daily, you love people here. Missionary work is not some big, grand adventure. As Christians, it's supposed to be our life. You have a mission every single day to love others. You can't just go around and slap people with the Bible and be like, be a Christian. That never works. Christianity is, just throw that word out. Jesus is love. So as Jesus followers, as his disciples, we are, it's our necessity to love people. Even the people that you have arguments with daily. Even people that you look at and you're like, well, they're below me. No. Put yourself at the very bottom of the pedestal and raise Jesus up. Just, you need to love. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and I think that, that's when we spoke, that's what, that's what got me. I'm like, yes. Because here, I, I wonder when she came back, if we'd be setting her up to go over somewhere foreign to be a missionary for her life. But when I came back, what I saw is, is something that's been stirring in my heart for how to in, exhort and encourage people is if your culture has gone away from the old tradition, right? Just like, just like Samaria, right? They had gone away from the old tradition because so many years 
people were involved. And you know what we do as people? We mess everything up, okay? So, so we took what was pure and right at first, and we mess it up. So what it was is here's a girl who went to Mexico, and God's like, I'm calling you to Prescott Valley. I'm like, yeah. Right? Like, the whole mission is back. The homies, we were calling them the homies. All you guys are the homies. You're, you're the homies. God's called you to your home, to all the weird corners that you go, the restaurants, and right? And the, the Spanish dance class you go to, whatever it is, right? Your Zumba class, all those places that you would go, you are on mission. And even to see that someone who grew up in the church went there and was like, where's all the churchy stuff I'm doing? I'm stamping books and painting nails and little kids are sitting on my lap. And we're like, now do that here. Right? Do that here. Because look at, just look at the data. Guys, most of our culture doesn't see the world like you do. So you don't just start with that. You don't start with that. Here's a few scriptures so you don't think I'm crazy. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Okay, now we've got to pay attention to this. I want all of you to know that I'm Jesus' disciple. How would you know? If you have love for one another. I mean, I get that. Truth is important, but no one cares about your truth if they don't see your love. Right? By this, all people know that you are my disciples if you're yelling truth all the time. No. No. If you think you're better than Jesus, go ahead. But check this out. Romans 2. It's written to the Christians in Romans. Romans 2, 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? His being who? God, right? His kindness and restraint and patience. I mean, don't forget, God and Jesus are not slow to act. They're patient, wanting to, that all of us would come to change our lives and go their direction. Right? I like it when he's patient with me. I get frustrated when he's patient with you because I want it to hurry up. But we all need it. So do you think lightly of how kind God's been to you, his patience for you, his restraint, and how he's been for other people? Because don't you know that that kindness was the whole thing he was using to lead you back to him? Like, he loved you in. He didn't lecture you in. He kinded you in. And he says, do the same thing. Play Jenga, paint nails, braid hair. I was going to say, let kids sit on your lap, but that's dangerous. Don't necessarily do that. It depends on the context, okay? But, but care about kids and care about the people around you. One more, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, over the years, what we began to do is we're like, we're like, okay, here's what we're going to do, Malia. We're going to go to the school. First person you see, just holler while you have hope. That sounds terrifying, right? And it's stupid, right? Because the instruction is this. Somewhere along the way, but in your hearts, revere, respect, have awe for God as Lord, but always be ready because you never know when someone is going to ask you, what is it with you that you got this hope? What is it with you that you seem to have faith? What are you going to tell them? It's like, that's what like we said at the very beginning. If, you're not, if you don't appreciate what Jesus did for you, don't tell anybody that you don't appreciate what Jesus did for you. Wait till you have something to tell them, right? And as a matter of fact, don't even tell them till they ask. According to Peter, store in your heart why you're so grateful. It'll come out of your face. They'll say, what's up with you? Something's wrong. Are you drunk or something? And they'll say, no, it's the Holy Spirit, not wine. Missionaries at home. Now, maybe you could do this. Okay. And I know, oh, it's easy for you to say, guys, listen, they changed my first name to pastor, and I'm seven miles from where I was like born, okay? I guess more than that. Maybe it's like 12 miles. It's an exaggeration. But not far. I get on a weekly basis, you're a pastor? Yes. 
I know, right? Like you knew me, right? Okay, so I get it. Why, why somebody speaking truth in their hometown, it's difficult. I, I get that. And, and I think it's really, it's really challenging because this will be the hardest thing you ever do. I mean, sure, you go to Mexico, you're going to have to eat all the part of the chicken that we throw out, they'll eat there. And you can't use the toilet paper, you can't put the toilet paper in the toilet. These things are awkward, I get that. But not as awkward as having to follow Jesus where you live. That's hard. It's hard. You can't have a fake life and a real life, it's the same thing, eventually it comes out. Doesn't matter what kind of game you're playing. Yeah. Anything you want to add before I... Yeah, um... I just want to say that missionary work, serving God is God-motivated. It's you, your relationship with God. Um, and if you don't have a relationship and you go and try to serve, I, it doesn't work out. <laughs> um, so talk to God. Just ask him, like, do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to serve? Some people are called to go outside, um, outside the state, outside the country, Go serve. Like, if he's telling you to go, go. But for me, I'm being called here. For you, it might be completely different, and that's totally fine. Um, but there, I've noticed that there's three main categories in ways that you can participate in missionary work. Um, one of them is um, raising money and just being willing to donate and help somebody who is in the mission field, um, regardless of where they're at. Um, Ruth does so much more than I participated in, um, and she needs money. Like, we are the people who fund her. Um, most missionaries in Oaxaca are completely funded before they even leave. She relies on us. Um, so that's one way. And you can support any mission field, any, anything, um, only if God's calling you to do it. If not, it's fruitless. Um, and then the next one is praying, um, Prayer is a huge thing. Um, the amount of spiritual attacks that you get when you are doing something for God, oh my gosh, it can wipe you off your feet. Um, and I would not have been able to do the things I did if I didn't have an army of people praying for me while I was there. And I appreciate all of you who did pray for me. Um, praying for like our pastors doing missionary work here at home, pray for him. Pray for people doing ministry in our church. And, um, or if somebody, like, if God wakes up in the middle of the night and you can't fall back to sleep and you ask him, why on earth am I like this? And he gives you a name, pray for them. And pray nonstop. And while those two things are great, we are also called to go, participate. Go be active in the church. Go be active um, in missionary work. I had never, I, I've always wanted to do missions. I never wanted to do it by myself. But I went because that's where God's calling me. And I encourage you guys to continually have that conversation with him. Don't get all jacked up on like the Holy Spirit vibe and then leave here and not ever talk to God about what do you want me to do? And if now's not the time, now's not the time. He's preparing you for something else. Talk to him. Have a relationship and love. Love above all else. Just love. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I want, to, I want to be very practical with this because I, I, what you're going to see is I think it's really important that as your pastor, I want to encourage you to grow in, in knowing God. Right? I want you to encourage you to grow in walking in the Spirit. I want to encourage you to grow in love. But while you're doing that, we're, we're not called just to sit here and like fill ourselves with everything, but also we, we share from what we're learning everywhere that we go. And so this idea of missionaries at home, the homies, right? I, you're part of something bigger than yourself. You are. Like, I'm telling you, I, no matter what happened before this moment, you are part of something bigger than yourself. The kingdom of God is, is here now, and it's coming all at the same time. And 
And it's not dependent on the country you live in, the language you speak, or how you look, or what's happened to you. Like all those characters, we're all part invited into the kingdom of God from, from different people, and so are you. So in a real practical way, Jen, you want to come? Do you guys know Jen? Jen? So this is Jen Gurley. Her, her husband's Corey. He'll speak sometimes, and, and he's a youth pastor here at the church. But Jen and Natalia, they wanted to do something, okay? Something that's been on their heart. Um, and, and so we thought this would be a good time to, I don't know if you want to say anything about it, or you just want yeah. me to say, yeah. So we're starting a ministry, but it's not a new ministry because Jesus has been doing it since he was here on earth. Um, but our ministry is called Hands and Feet Ministry. And basically what it is, is it's, it's taking what we have learned here about love and we're going into the community to love our community. And that's our goal is to, how do we, you know, the pastor's been talking about how do we get people to know God? Well, the way do we get them to know God is by building relationships with them. Yeah. And it's not something you just, you know, drive by and you pass out something to them. You get to know them. Like Natalia was saying, you know, she, she got to know all those little kids sitting on her lap just because she was being present and, you know, had the opportunity to talk with them and listen to them and hear their stories. And we get to do that in our community here. That's how we need to be reaching our Quad City is building relationships. So our our ministry is going to be focusing on different opportunities to do that. And we want all of you guys involved, um, whether it's through prayer, finances, or going and doing things here in our town. Um, so I want you guys to take that to heart. Um, we're going to pass out a sign-up sheet if you're interested in learning more and want to get involved and have that opportunity to be the missions field here at home. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that because what, what's, what's even more excited about this is, see, you are the church, right? This is the gathering of the church. You are the church. So in all those corners and those places that you go, you're going to see opportunities for, for the Christians, the believers, right, to, to serve their community and show the love so that eventually they'll say, why is it that you're doing this? Aha. I'm glad you asked. I have hope in my life. I have faith. Why do you have this hope? Let me tell you about it, right? So we, we don't know what all those things are. And so these ladies are going to definitely brainstorm of like, hey, we can go, here's something we can go participate in, right? I'm going to brainstorm that, but, but you might also have something that you're involved with and you're like, I'm going to go do this to love on some people and I could use about 10 people to go with me. Th- that's what this would be for too. They say, I, I have this idea, this opportunity for us to get outside the walls. And as your pastor, if you love on them for 10 years and they never come into the church, by all means, that is fantastic. If you love on them and they need a place to fellowship and serve, then they're welcome in here. But this is not to bring people in, but to bring people to Jesus. Right? So, is that practical enough? We're going to send out, we got three sheets. If you would like to more information, Give us your phone number and email. We won't, you know, no, we're not telemarketers. We're not going to do that. And, and these ladies will reach out to you and we'll, we'll think of the first thing that we can do together and it'll kind of grow from there. Does that sound fair? Anything else before we... Um, yeah, I would just like to add in the scripture we just read, um, Jesus didn't tell the woman at the well who he was until she prompted it. He built the relationship first. And it may not happen that fast. Yeah. But if we're supposed to follow Jesus, yeah. we're going we're gonna to try to do that the best of our abilities. Yes, very much so. Well, thank you, ladies, and thank you, Natalia. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and I know Natalia's part of that. Uh, I, I want to pray, and let's see. Here, we can just... Uh, I'll just put one on each column here if you want to put your name. Also out at the table where they have the jewelry from Oaxaca, if you don't mind just kind of passing that down and back. Uh, there's also a sign-up sheet there. Cool, I don't know if anyone, if you guys want to pass it. So let, let me pray. Anyway, I, I, hope it's, I hope it's worth the time, but I think I'm asking, I'm asking for help because I know this is needed. And, and I am in one way, a pastor, and I have responsibilities with that, to equip and enable you, the saints, to do the ministry God's called you to do. And that, that's what this is about. 
It's got to come from God. It has to come from, from his heart out of your heart. And I want to encourage you and resource you to do that. And so as a, as a follower of Christ, I have my own mission fields, you know. And I want to invite you into those as well. But I'm curious to see and excited to see about what God's going to do. Let me pray. And then we'll sing a few more songs and go from there. Father, thank you so much. Uh, strengthen Natalia, Lord. Uh, she just put herself out there. And anytime you do that, that's a simple invitation to get messed with, to get discouraged, just to doubt yourself or people to come against you, Lord. And so I pray that you would uh, protect her. Continue to encourage her in this call to be a missionary here at home, Lord. And, and for Jen and her family as well as she steps out, Lord. And for all the people who believe here, I pray that you would be with them, Lord. Speak to us as we, as we have this time where we reflect and just, just show us maybe where we are actually being a, a, a witness right now or a place where you're asking us just to go and love. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen.